The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special edition Sox Machine Live. I am your host, Josh Nelson, as uh, we're doing this live on Thursday. As uh, It's currently around 12 o'clock, so thank you for joining me during your lunchtime. As if you didn't get to the news, maybe you live in New Zealand and you didn't get to see last night, or you've been hiding under a rock. The Chicago White Sox made a trade yesterday as they sent Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez to the Los Angeles Angels. And in this Sox Machine Live, we're going to be recapping as far as that trade between the Chicago White Sox and the Los Angeles Angels. As first reporting it was Jeff Passan of ESPN. And it was a late trade at around 10.48 p.m. Central Time. Announcing the trade that the Angels acquiring Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez in exchange, the Chicago White Sox are acquiring catcher Edgar, Edgar Cuero and left-handed pitcher Kai Bush, which are two of the top prospects for the Los Angeles Angels, according to MLB.com. Cuero and Bush are the number two and number three ranked prospects in the top 30. Cuero is the 65th ranked prospect. We'll talk more about Edgar Cuero and Kai Bush later on. As again, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez both traded to the Los Angeles Angels. And as we usually do over the years, I mean, this is our 10th year podcasting about the Chicago White Sox. When we have these types of trades in which we see players dealt, and we went through this briefly in, uh, in 2015, and in 2016, but it was much larger during the winter meetings in 2016. And of course, in 2017 as well, that one trade that sent David Robertson and Todd Frazier to the New York Yankees, along with Tommy Kamey. This is a pretty significant midseason trade by the Chicago White Sox. And it kind of starts what a lot of people in the industry are believing could be a continuation of deals by the Chicago White Sox and Rick Hahn in the upcoming days as Rick Hahn addressed the media yesterday and to paraphrase, they did not expect to be in the position that they currently are, but because of the reality 
of the situation with both Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez being free agents after the season that this was the opportunity for the White Sox to not maybe necessarily cash in, but get something in return better than a qualifying offer for Lucas Giolito, which would have just been a second round comp pick if the White Sox held on to Giolito. They make that qualifying offer and require him to decline that qualifying offer. As you can see, there's a lot of steps here. And with acquiring Edgar Cuero in part of this deal for the Chicago White Sox, I think they do better than what they would have had as a second-round comp pick, which would have been anywhere between picks like 70 and 75 in the 2024 Major League Baseball draft. And Ronaldo Lopez gets dealt as well, so he'll help out the Angels' bullpen. Um, but as I mentioned over the years, we, we've done a lot of these types of podcasts where we have to say goodbye to, to White Sox players. And for Lucas Giolito in his career with the Chicago White Sox, he made 162 starts covering 929 innings. His career ERA with the White Sox is 4.20. And you may think that's pretty high. Recall just how much he struggled in the 2018 and 2022 seasons that kind of raised that ERA for Giolito in his career. When it comes to wins wins above replacement, on baseball reference, Giolito had a 13.5 war, and on fan graphs, as they use FIP as a heavier calculation in their war total, Giolito had a 15 war with the Chicago White Sox. Almost a 1,000 strikeouts for Lucas Giolito in his career with the White Sox, 993 strikeouts, 342 walks. Between the 2019 and 2021 seasons, Giolito had a ERA plus greater than 124 in those three years, so he was at least 24% better than league average. And in 2023, Giolito is currently at 116 ERA plus, which means that he is 16% better than league average. The highlights for Lucas Giolito, there's many during his time with the White Sox. None bigger than throwing his first career no-hitter against the Pittsburgh Pirates during the COVID shore in 2020 season. A lot of your cardboard cutouts were in attendance for that game. Uh, and for Giolito, he had two top 10 Cy Young finishes. Obviously, his big turnaround from the 2018 to 2019 season Giolito finished in the top 10, and he finished top 10 again in the 2020 season. And Giolito also had the American League Pitcher of the Month Award for his performance during May of 2019. He won multiple Pitcher of the Week awards in the American League. And he had that outstanding start in the 2020 season against the Oakland Athletics in which he only allowed two hits, one run in game one over seven innings. And he was he had a no-hitter in that game going through six innings. So he was flirting with a no-hitter in the postseason. And as far as his career with the Chicago White Sox in 2019-2020 for Lucas Giolito, that is probably the peak of Giolito. He had been pitching well for the White Sox this year. The past week after the All-Star break, not exactly smooth. He gets rocked against the New York Mets. He gives up five runs of the first inning. That's not a great first impression. Against the Minnesota Twins, he did pitch five scoreless innings, but it took 100 pitches to get through five innings. He did not go deep in his first two starts after the All-Star break. So it'll be interesting to see in how Giolito transitions from the Chicago White Sox to the Los Angeles Angels. 
the good news for for a Gilito standpoint, at least in his point of view, getting dealt. And Rick Hahn alluded to the fact during his press conference it was a emotional discussion with Giolito, uh, telling him that he has been traded. We we don't know why that conversation has been emotional. I guess we'll just have to wait and see when Giolito arrives with the Angels and the Los Angeles media meets with him and asks him his thoughts about getting dealt from the Chicago White Sox to the Los Angeles Angels. But from Giolito's camp, you cannot place a qualifying offer on him. So that's really good news as far as free agency. There's no draft pick comp now attached to Lucas Giolito. He's joining an Angels team that's getting hot. A couple weeks ago, when I did my top eight teams for Lucas Giolito, the Angels were not on the list because I didn't know or in some ways didn't think that the Angels would actually be part of the playoff race. But thanks to Shohei Itani, who's going to win the American League MVP, I don't think there's going to be much argument. Uh, looking at the American League standings, the Angels are currently 52-49. and 49. They're still seven games back of the Texas Rangers, but now they're just four games back of the wild card. They have won seven of their last 10 games, and they have won their last two games, and they are currently playing right now in this afternoon. They got some work to do. They are hoping that they have another hot streak when Mike Trout rejoins the team from his injury in the month of August. If they could continue to stay hot, they could continue to ride Shohei Otani offensively. Now that you have Otani pitching and you got Reed Detmers and now you add Lucas Giolito and you also have Griffin Canning as well, part of their rotation, the Angels are hoping that they can make one last dash in making the postseason. If they don't make the postseason, Obviously, their top target is trying to retain Shohei Otani. We'll see. We'll see what that type of contract is. So that's for the Angels to introduce themselves to Lucas Giolito. In a way, Giolito is going home uh, as he is from the Los Angeles area originally. We'll see if they can't attain. Uh, Shohei Otani would the Angels pivot then in free agency and try to keep Lucas Giolito as they still have Mike Trout for many, many years in Anaheim. But if that doesn't happen, Giolito becomes a free agent without a qualifying offer attached to him. He'd be 29 years old during free agency, and you're looking at a free agent class in the starting pitching front to be pretty strong. I mean, you have Shohei Otani, two-way player, but Blake Snell is going to be a free agent. Marcus Stroman has the option to opt out, and it sounds like he will be opting out to make himself a free agent. And then you got Giolito. And I know there's been a lot of comparisons between Giolito and Marcus Stroman. Stroman is actually 32 years old. So Giolito's three years younger than Stroman hitting free agency. And from Stroman's perspective, this might be the last chance that he has in getting a, a large amount of guaranteed money thinking like three years, at least $75 million for Marcus Stroman before teams really start using age against him. For Giolito, as far as his numbers and how much starting pitchers are making in free agency, uh, he could get a five-year type of contract where it's $100-plus dollars. And Rick Hahn did say that he will not rule out the White Sox bringing back both Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, but I... I'm not going to gaslight White Sox fans and blow smoke anyone's butt. Uh, it's just that's not Jerry Reinsdorf's uh, cup of tea as far as his appetite 
when it comes to free agent starting pitchers is to offer five plus years. And that's probably what it's going to take for Lucas Giolito. So Giolito may be disappointed. It, you know, he said the right things before July came around that he wanted to stay in Chicago. He enjoyed his time with the White Sox. He was very appreciative that having the clunker in 2018 and even having a setback last year that the team gave him every opportunity to bounce back. And over his time with the Chicago White Sox, when you look at the six seasons that he was with the White Sox, well, seven, he did pitch a little bit in in 2017. Uh, The majority of that was very good, especially from 2019 to 2021. And Giolito, again, had a 116 ERA plus in 2023. Giolito was not part of the problem and where the White Sox currently lie, 21 games below 500. Again, on the flip side, you got Ronaldo Lopez. And uh, this is a kind of funny in a way that Giolito and Lopez are once again attached to the same trade. That's how they came to Chicago. They were part of the Adam Eaton trade during the winter meetings back in 2016. And together, they're heading to Anaheim. As uh, Ronaldo Lopez, during his time with the Chicago White Sox, he started off as a starting pitcher. 205 games he appeared in, but he made 91 starts. And he threw 611 and two-thirds innings with the White Sox of a 4.38 ERA. Obviously not as successful as Lucas Giolito. Lopez had a 5.9 career war with the White Sox, according to Baseball Reference, and a 7.7 war, according to Fangraphs. And Lopez had 544 strikeouts and 215 walks during the White Sox. And he moved to the bullpen in 2021, prior to the bullpen, his career highlights with the White Sox, Lopez actually had five 10-plus strikeout games. And he had 14 strikeouts, which is a career high for him, against the Detroit Tigers in 2019. In that same 2019 season, a lot of people forget, and sometimes I have to remind myself, that Lopez pitched a complete game one hitter against the then the Cleveland Indians, but now the Cleveland Guardians, in which he struck out 11, which is his best career start. But unfortunately, 2020 came around, and in those eight starts for Lopez, he was not good. He had an ERA well above six. And then the White Sox, again, transitioned him to the bullpen, and uh, he was very effective last year. And while he struggled to start this season, especially in high-leverage situations, this might surprise White Sox fans. Lopez's current ERA plus is 103. So while he has been a below league average pitcher for much of the season, he has been pitching a lot better in the last month and his performance in the last month has risen his season ERA plus to being slightly above league average. So we could say that Lopez right now is a league average pitcher and he joins the Angels bullpen again for the Angels. They are trying to run down the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros in the American League West. When you look at the American League East, it's still Baltimore in first place. They're a game and a half ahead of Tampa Bay, Toronto. The Boston Red Sox have been red hot as of late. They have won four straight games. And of course, the New York Yankees. There's a lot of traffic in front of the Los Angeles Angels right now in the playoffs. I don't know if the pendulum swings a great deal for the Angels, acquiring Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Are they done? Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, They could use some more help, but as long as you got Shohei Otani, as long as he stays healthy and he continues to hit home runs, and if they get Mike Trout back, and if he is healthy as he joins the team in August and Giolito continues to pitch well, the Angels got a shot. 
Again, they've got some work to do, but they've got a shot in trying to catch up with the teams ahead of them in the postseason race. But this also might be a sign from the Angels front office to Otani to entice him to stay in Anaheim as the Angels are going to try to do everything they can in their power to get to the postseason because winning means a lot to Otani. We know that he's going to get paid this upcoming offseason. But as of right now, and you can just see the desire during the World Baseball Classic as Otani helped lead Japan to winning that title, winning means a great deal for Shohei Otani. So any team that's pursuing Otani during free agency, not only are going to have to prove they could back up the money truck, but they're going to have to prove that they could win and win immediately by acquiring Otani. So this is the Angels' attempt, at least in the front office, to prove to Otani that they are serious about winning. Let's talk about what the White Sox are acquiring here. And the big get in this trade is the 20-year-old switch-hitting catcher, Edgar Cuero. And Edgar Cuero is just 20 years old, and he is a top 100 prospect. So this is where it's a bit of a surprise, as Giolito, again, is just a rental, just a few months left and by adding Renault Lopez to this deal, the White Sox are able to acquire the Angels' 65th-ranked prospect in Major League Baseball. And Cuero, very impressive offensively. And he gets high marks from evaluators, no matter the publication, about his ability to hit and his approach at the plate. There are some questions regarding Cuero defensively. That is something that we're going to have to pay attention to. But Cuero is just 20 years old, and he is in double A. So that is really young for the level. But what's great about Cuero is looking at his slash line. He's hitting 246 with a 386 on base percentage and slugging 332. So while the batting average and slugging percentage are not impressive... Cuero is doing a fantastic job getting on base, and he has drawn more walks than strikeouts this year in double A. And last year in low A as a 19-year-old, Cuero hit 312 with a 435 on base percentage and slugged 530. And he had a 41% hard hit rate, according to the TrackMan data, from low A, which means that 41% of the ball is put in play at an exit velocity greater than 95 miles per hour. As what kind of swings should we expect from the switch hitter? On the left-hand side from Fangraph's Eric Loggenhagen, when Loggenhagen has seen Cuero in the backfields and in the minor leagues, Loggenhagen believes that the left-handed swing is much better than the right-handed swing. The right-handed swing is more about contact. It's a flatter approach. The left swing is more geared for lift as he tends to drive more of his airborne contact to the opposite field from that side of the plate. So Cuero needs to work on pull side. When I read this type of scouting report and I'm watching film of Edgar Cuero offensively, it does remind me a lot of Yohan Mikata. And I don't want to scare White Sox fans by bringing up that comp because Yohan Mikata, obviously the overall numbers have not been that great, especially since 2019 with the White Sox. But when you watch Mikata at the plate, he's more dangerous batting left-handed than right-handed. 
I always feel like when I'm watching Makata bat right-handed, he's trying to survive against lefties and try to make the best contact possible, but it's mostly going to go to center field, and whatever contact Makata does make from the right-hand side, it's going to be mostly singles. If you're looking for extra bases, if you're looking for slugging for Makata, that's typically from the left-hand side, it's a smoother swing. He looks more comfortable swing left-handed, and that's where his power comes from. I'm going to have to watch Edgar Cuero more, but based on this scouting report and watching some early film this morning of Cuero, it's it's not identical swings, but it does make sense where Cuero is stronger from the left-hand side than from the right-hand side, which is good because the White Sox, as we all know, need more left-handed bats in their farm system. When it comes to Cuero, though, there's going to be a big question regarding as far as his defense. Uh, there's marks that his receiving needs to be improved, uh, his blocking behind the plate. Sometimes it's smooth, sometimes it's not. He only has an average arm, which is going to be critical moving forward, that he needs to be more consistent as far as his pop time, as far as his transition with the rules in place of the major leagues. There's some work to do defensively uh, across all facets for Edgar Cuero. There's some, there's a latest report from Baseball Prospectus when they were updating their top 100 that don't think Edgar Cuero is going to be a catcher long term. And they're not quite sure where in the infield or what other position that Edgar Cuero can play. So the defensive scouting report for Edgar Cuero, not exactly promising, but he's only 20 years old. And the White Sox should give him every opportunity to stay behind home plate. They did this with Zach Collins. It didn't work with Zach Collins. Even everybody knew that Zach Collins was a catch, was not a catcher. Uh, and the White Sox didn't give Collins a, a lot of opportunities at first base to try to move him behind home plate. They were stubborn. They stuck with Zach Collins as a catcher until ultimately they cut Zach Collins. For Cuero... I think it's all about the hit tool right now. Can he find a way to hit for more contact and power at double A? Or what I think would be a smart move by the White Sox is if they move Cuero to Winston-Salem. Again, he's really young for double A. I'm not exactly sure why the Angels made such an aggressive move having Cuero in double A. I think having him go a lower, a lower level, he's still going to be young. Uh, for high A, but having Cuero play for the Winston-Salem Dash, get himself into a rhythm, build up more confidence, especially with the batted ball. I mean, he's got a terrific batter's eye. Again, he's got more walks and strikeouts right now in double A's, a 20-year-old. So I'm not concerned about the batter's eye, and it's kind of refreshing uh, to see a White Sox hitter be patient at the plate and have an understanding of the strike zone and demonstrate that type of plate discipline. But we we do need to see more contact and power because, again, to bring up Zach Collins, we have learned in the past just because you draw a lot of walks does not mean that's going to translate to the major leagues. If pitchers do not fear you, they're going to attack you in the strike zone. And if you do not have the capability of punishing pitchers that live in the strike zone against you, you're not going to walk and you're still going to have a low batting average and you're still going to have a low slugging percentage. And you're going to struggle a great deal. A good example of that is Oscar Colas right now for the White Sox. His second stint back with Chicago. And I can tell you, it's still not pretty. He is still struggling. 
There's too many three-pitch strikeouts for Oscar Colas, and he just seems like a fish out of water right now when he's in the major leagues. You put him back in Charlotte, and he looks like a potential power hitter. Put him in the major leagues against major league pitching, the best pitching in the world, and, and Colas doesn't look like a major leaguer. So for Edgar Cuero, he's, again, patience, I think, is critical for the White Sox. I would move him down to Winston-Salem, let him build up some more confidence, hit for more contact, hit for more power, and then you could bring him back up at double-A. He'll only be 21 years old next year. Uh, he would still be young for that level. Uh, I just think that's a that's a better situation for Edgar Cuero and not be too aggressive. So, of course, Rick Hahn mentioned to the media yesterday that the White Sox think that Cuero could contribute to the Major League Club in 2024. So watch the heed my advice and they instead push Edgar Cuero. The second player that the White Sox acquired in this trade is left-handed pitcher Kai Bush. Kai Bush, tall dude from St. Mary's University, uh, got a chance to watch some of his games a couple years ago while working on the MLB draft coverage. Uh, tall dude. He's six foot six. He's a left-handed pitcher. He's 23 years old. He did pitch in the Futures game last year. And Kai Bush had a good season in 2022, but he suffered a lat strain this season. And it's kind of set him back uh, during the double-A season with the Rocket City Trash Pandas, which are in the Southern League. So the White Sox have had a chance uh, to see Bush over the last couple of years, and that's probably where the interest is in Kyle in Kai Bush. Uh, an eight games started this year, 2023, Bush has a 7.20 ERA over 30 innings. It has not been pretty for Kai Bush. Uh, and during his time last year, looking at his last year numbers, in 21 starts in the Southern League, Bush was 7-4 and four over 103 innings, uh, which is an impressive mark in AA, especially when teams are not pushing pitchers as hard to go deep into games in the minor leagues. Bush had 101 strikeouts to, di- to just 29 walks, and he allowed just 93 hits over 103 innings last year. This year, though, in 30 innings, it's 33 hits over 30 innings with 42 strikeouts to 15 walks. So Bush is striking out more batters at a higher clip. That's good to see, um, but he is dealing with some contact issues. And for Kai Bush, it's mostly a fastball slider. He does have a changeup, and the slider, I think, is his best pitch right now. The fastball, it could range. There's sometimes you'll see Kai Bush, and he's throwing 92. And the fastball just doesn't have a lot of zip to it. Uh, it could be, it can be deceiving for opposing hitters because he is six foot six, uh, and he really does come downhill. But the fastball at times could be flat, and there's just not a lot of movement. And when he's throwing 92 and it's in the strike zone, it's gonna get hit and it's gonna get hard. And then there's sometimes you watch Kai Bush and he's throwing 95, 96. And with that slider, it's like, hey, this guy has the potential to be a back-of-the-rotation type of starter in the major leagues. So I think with Bush, again, patience is going to be imperative. With the slow start this to this season of 2022 in AA for Kai Bush, uh, he could be a target to join Colson Montgomery in the Arizona Fall League. 
Uh, so it might be really critical for the White Sox to send Bush to get more extra time in the Arizona Fall League. I know it'll make the coaches and the development staffs of the other teams that help coach in the Arizona Fall League, and even those analysts as well that cover the Arizona Fall League, it'll make those people happy uh, because pitching is an issue during the Arizona Fall League, uh, especially as far as the quality of pitching in the Arizona Fall League. So I think that would be a smart move by the White Sox. I would keep Bush in double-A. And my hope was in any trade for the White Sox with Lucas Giolito, looking at the 2024 squad, that the White Sox would obtain that team's best double-A, triple-A starting pitcher. And for the Angels, Kai Bush is the best pitcher that the Angels have in double-A and triple-A. I just don't think you can pencil in Kyle, uh, I'm sorry, Kai Bush. I have to get better prepared for that. Pencil in Kai Bush to be part of the 2024 White Sox starting rotation and opening day. Could we see Kai Bush during the season next year? Absolutely. As long as he stays healthy, as long as he looks good in the Arizona Fall League, he looks good in spring training, and let's say April, May, he looks strong in AA. Maybe give him a couple of starts in Charlotte before you call him up to the major leagues, but I don't think you need to sit around when it comes to pitchers. I, I don't think it's necessary for pitchers to pitch in Charlotte and AAA. I think you can call him straight up from AA, and there's been many examples where that has been successful for teams across Major League Baseball. So the White Sox are still going to have to figure out on how they're going to fill out the starting rotation for opening day in 2024. But according to Rick Hahn, and I'm sure in the organization, they are hopeful that Kai Bush will be able to help out the White Sox, start some games probably mid to late 2024, but more likely in the 2025 season that Kai Bush could be competing for a starting rotation spot for the Chicago White Sox. And speaking as far as the 2024 season, it does bring up this topic for the Chicago White Sox after this particular trade. Who is next to get traded? There is a lot of trade smoke regarding Lance Lynn, who made the start last night against the Chicago Cubs. Not a pretty start for Lance Lynn. Really struggled. He could not get out of the fifth inning as his pitch count inched closer to 100. I I don't think it was a good idea for Lance Lynn to start that game against the Chicago Cubs, especially if a trade is imminent for Lance Lynn. I, there's just too much risk. Too many bad things could happen to Lance Lynn that can suddenly axe any type of trade. And, and for the White Sox, especially for those that care about the White Sox ledger, which I know many fans do not, it is an opportunity to shed some payroll for this upcoming season and fingers crossed for their and they don't have to pay the one million dollar buyout for lance lynn in exchange for acquiring whatever type of level prospect it's not going to be much for lance lynn i thought yesterday lance lynn was going to get traded before that start to tampa bay as there's a lot of rumors and the national reporters were tweeted out it didn't happen because supposedly the dodgers are making an attempt to acquire Lance Lynn after they acquired Ahmad Rosario yesterday from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for Noah Syndergaard. That is a weird trade. But for Lance Lynn, I think he's going to be the next to go. Uh, we'll call this informed speculation. So for the Die Hard Sox Machine podcast listeners, you know what that means. For those 
those that are not and you just join us for this particular live stream, uh, let's call it gossip that the Dodgers have interest in Joe Kelly. And Joe Kelly, I mean, Lance Lynn didn't look good yesterday. Joe Kelly looked worse. Uh, he didn't get an out uh, in the fifth inning and allowed many walks, even walked in uh, some runs as well against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but there's just a, a familiarity for the Dodgers of Joe Kelly, and that's what they've already done, acquiring Enrique Hernandez from the Boston Red Sox. Why? They're familiar with him. If they want to acquire Joe Kelly, why? They're familiar with Joe Kelly. Uh, so those, I think, are going to be the next two guys that could be traded here soon in Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. But the White Sox are telling teams right now, Dylan Cease is not available during this trade market before the trade deadline. And it would be kind of tough to trade Dylan Cease with just so few days left to go before the trade deadline. Uh, but Dylan Cease is the one guy for the Chicago White Sox that could bring back quite a haul and maybe bring in some prospects and players that could help out throughout the rotation 2024. But the reason why Dylan Cease is not available is that the White Sox front office believes they're still going to be contending next year. And that is the goal for the Chicago White Sox in 2024 is to contend. So that's why they want to hold on to Dylan Cease. One, that's a really tough sell to anyone that's watching this White Sox team that 2024 is going to be any different than 2023. You don't have Giolito. You just traded him away. You want to trade Lance Lynn. Mike Clevenger's got a mutual option, and he's been hurt. We haven't seen him pitch in more than a month, so I don't think that mutual option is going to get picked up by the Chicago White Sox. That leaves your starting rotation with Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, and there's some question whether Kopech is an actual starter or not. So we could always have the debate what you think Dylan Cease is, but I think Dylan Cease is a front-end starter, Michael Kopech's at number five. That's all you got. Davis Martin is recovering from Tommy John. Sean Burke has been hurt for most of this season. And I just mentioned that Kai Bush had a delay to this season. I don't think he's going to be ready to start the 2024 season. I don't know where the White Sox are finding three starting pitchers to just have a team to start the season, let alone contend in 2024. So I find that comment to be eyebrow-raising. What raises the other eyebrow is the impression that nobody is going to be held accountable within the White Sox front office for this season. If you're asking Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, why are you not trading Dylan Cease? And their response is because we expect to contend next season. Nobody expects them to return to make that decision whether the team is going to contend or not in 2024. And that's setting off all types of alarm bells that Jerry Reinsdorf may not make a move. And White Sox fans are going to have to wait and see what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams do this upcoming offseason. You're hoping that they can make the team better, but you don't want them to have this job. It's a terrible situation right now for Chicago White Sox fans. It, it feels too much like being a Bulls fan in recent years with the, the whole Garpac, Garpacks uh, type of front office that the Bulls had for many years. 
and was a very frustrating experience. So to conclude, as far as this episode of Socks Machine Live, uh, I'll go through as far as the comment section real quick, uh, some of the best comments, some of the questions that you guys may have. From Kirk, guessing what the 2024 starting rotation could be on opening day. He's got Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Tuki Tuasant. So I think that's a good guess. Tuasant's got some control. So that's a good call, Kirk. Uh, Jesse Schultz's probably. And uh, Tanner Banks. <laughs> And I love this comment. That's a World Series caliber rotation right there. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to win the AAA championship uh, <laughs> with that type of rotation, Kirk. But, no, great call by Kirk. Uh, Trey Williams just posted this in the comment section. Well, 2025 rotation looks to be Dylan Cease, a free agent, Kai Bush, Jonathan Cannon, and, and Christian Mena. Maybe we'll see both Cannon and Mena. They've got some work to do, and we'll, we'll see what Bush can, uh, where he's going to be in 2025. Uh, as in Rec is a big fan of Tanner Banks, uh, Tanner Banks erasure. Uh, Ralph makes a good point here. You can't trust the White Sox process or the White Sox front office. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Ralph. I'm going to be on 670 The Score tomorrow uh, with Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes, and I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation is that the White Sox are making these types of moves. Do you trust that the White Sox are getting the best returns for these guys? It's such a tough question. It's such a tough situation to break down. Uh, we did get this question from Brian O'Connor. Do you think Aaron Bummer could be traded at the deadline? And Brian... Only if you believe what John Morrissey is tweeting on MLB.com, there's there's teams that are interested in Aaron Bummer. And I kind of get it because there's just not a lot of left-handed relievers out in, in the trade market. From my perspective, I think the White Sox should move Aaron Bummer. He's got a guaranteed year next year. And it's just it's not working with the White Sox. I, I think I think if you put Aaron Bummer along with Jake Diekman to Tampa Bay and you have a team that's outstanding defensively, yeah, Aaron Bummer looks way different. Maybe Aaron Bummer close to an all-star reliever. Shock people will have like a 1.90 ERA uh, and just be dominant because he generates a ton of ground balls. And when you got a great defense behind you that can feel those ground balls, then yeah, Aaron Bummer's going to look, look great. When you have one of the worst defenses in Major League Baseball and your best defensive player is out in center field who does not help you at all if opposing hitters are hitting grounders, then Aaron Bummer is going to look shaky. Uh, it was brought to my attention yesterday from my friend Cherizi from the 108. Opposing hitters have... A bab up, a batting average of balls in play against Aaron Bummer this year, higher than 400 when there's guys on base. And, and I think a big part of that is that the White Sox are just awful on defense. Like, this is, it's just not a good combination of Aaron Bummer and the White Sox. So, in my perspective, Brian, I would like the White Sox to move Aaron Bummer. And I, I think you can get someone interesting in return. Maybe you can get someone along the same levels as, as uh, Kai Bush and continue to add double-A starting pitchers into the mix uh, and start building that type of depth. If you can, then yeah, I, I would move Aaron Bummer. And I would probably pay attention to the teams that the White Sox 
share affiliates with opposing teams in those leagues. Because, uh, again, the Angels farm system is the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Great name. They're the AA affiliate in the Southern League. The Birmingham Barons are the AA affiliate in the Southern League. I think the White Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays share affiliates in three leagues out of the four. Uh, so the White Sox should be very familiar with the Tampa Bay Rays prospects that could possibly get in return. Uh, I don't know if the Rays are interested in Aaron Bummer. I'm just using that as an example of maybe what teams to look for uh, is to come up with hypothetical trades. But with Aaron Bummer, again, John Morrissey's putting it out there. I'm not, not sure who's putting it out there, whether that is the White Sox trying to get feelers for Aaron Bummer or if it's teams actually interested in Aaron Bummer to try to create some type of pressure on the White Sox or the media, that never works. Or it's Aaron Bummer's agent <laughs> getting that information out there uh, to try to create some interest in getting his client out of Chicago. Uh, we'll, we'll see what actually happens. But I, I'm glad you brought up Aaron Bummer. I think the White Sox should trade him. But if the White Sox think they're going to contend next year, I could see them... It's hard for me to say foolishly keep Aaron Bummer, but I could definitely see them keeping Aaron Bummer. Uh, going down the list as far as the most recent comments before I log off here, I really appreciate everybody spending your lunch with us here for this special edition Sox Machine Live recapping as far as the news with Lucas Giolito and Renal Lopez going to Los Angeles. Uh, Kevin posted the comment, feel like the prospects to get back from Los Angeles is another overcorrection by the White Sox, similar to drafting Jacob Gonzalez this year. It could be. The White Sox have very little depth at starting pitching. They have very little depth at catcher. Maybe that was the idea, is that we have to acquire a starting pitcher and catcher out of this particular trade. And I think, again, like I said, I... I'm appreciative that the White Sox did get a double-A starting pitcher. I was hoping that the White Sox, out of all the offers made to them, that they would get someone that could help out, fill out the 2024 starting rotation in exchange for Lucas Giolito. I don't think that happened. I think the White Sox would say this is the best prospect that we could acquire in a Lucas Giolito trade, and it just so happens to be that he's a catcher, which fills a need. So it's the best of both worlds. I could buy that argument regarding as far as Giolito. And as far as with Jacob Gonzalez, he's a left-handed college bat that they're hoping that they could rise through the farm system because the White Sox need more left-handed bats. But it does bring the debate, no matter what you do as far as in trades and drafts, you should be acquiring the best players possible, no matter what position that they play, as the development takes a lot longer than any other professional sport. And I think that's why a lot of people tune out of the Major League Baseball draft compared to the NFL and NBA draft, because the NFL NBA draft, bam, that guy is going to be a rookie. They're going to be part of the team. They're not going to have to wait around in any sort of development league. We get to watch them right away. That's not the case of Major League Baseball. And we'll see. But uh, again, Kevin, I, I think with Cuero, if you are a firm believer of the top 100 prospect list, and they're all going to get updated here soon uh, after the trade deadline. Cuero before the trade deadline was the 65th ranked prospect in MLB's top 100. 
I'm a bit surprised the White Sox got that type of prospect back for Lucas Giolito with so few months left to go uh, in the season. And maybe no other team was willing to meet that type of price and the Angels possibly overpaid for Lucas Giolito. But that's a pretty good return for the White Sox. It's just that even though they acquire Kai Bush, I don't think Kai Bush helps solve a problem that the White Sox still have for the 2024 season. Uh, Mr. Sox... Fan 56, Pedro has to go with the rest of the ones that are traded. I don't believe he can handle a pitching staff. Well, I think he's having Ethan Katz handle the pitching staff more. But yeah, Pedro, Pedro's uh, having a tough season. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be one and done, especially if Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are still part of the front office. They're still in charge. I don't think Pedro's going to go anywhere, so we get to enjoy this again in 2024. Uh, friend, Beef Loaf, we all know Giolito was the White Sox best trade ship. Was Lopez their second best trade ship out of the expiring deals? I'm going to say no. Maybe it'd be Lance Lynn. I don't know. That's such a good question because it's the expiring deals, right? And do you consider Joe Kelly expiring deal, even though he's got a club option for next season for nine and a half million dollars? Nobody's picking that up. Hmm. I don't know. I I think I'd rather have Keenan Middleton than Ronaldo Lopez, but Middleton's been struggling. So he gave up back-to-back home runs last night. That's a good question. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ponder. I'm gonna have to ponder that one. I I, I just. I think I'd rather have Keenan Middleton than Ronaldo Lopez, but. That is a good question. Maybe Lopez is. I don't know. Not good podcasting to be pondering <laughs> like this, but it is an excellent question. I, I think now I'll stay with Lance Loon. I I think we'll be surprised at what kind of return, uh, what return the White Sox get for Lance Lynn. So, yes. But with that being said. I really appreciate everybody joining me for this lunchtime Sox Machine Live as we recap the Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez trade to the Los Angeles Angels. And best of luck again. The Angels, they got some work to do. Uh, They're seven games back in the American League West. They're four games back in the wild card. But now when you got Giolito part of that starting rotation, you still got Shohei Otani and Mike Trout coming back to the Angels soon. Uh, when you got the two best position players in the world on your team, I, I like I like what they're doing. I, I like the effort the Angels are making. I don't know if it's actually going to produce a team into the postseason. It's going to be tough for the Angels, but at least they are trying, and they surprise most in the major leagues in Major League Baseball to make this type of move. But really appreciate it again, everybody joining me. And if you don't get a chance to watch the Sox Machine Live streams, we always take the audios from the Sox Machine Lives and upload it into our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. For those that do watch the videos on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine, please hit the subscribe button. We greatly appreciate it. You can follow us on social media. We're at Sox Machine on Twitter, Instagram, threads. You can follow me on those platforms as well, at SoxMachine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work and want more, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash SoxMachine, where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. 
And when we have new socks machine swag in the socks machine store, like our new socks machine shirts that we have, the iHeart Wild Pitch Offense. We all love Wild Pitch Offense. Now you can buy that shirt in the socks machine store. Uh, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash socks machine. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.